Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 12. Number 12. 12, I tell you. Count them. How are you, Nick? I'm very well. How are you? I am also well. Excellent. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it does sound a little, little bit like we have literally succumbed to Big Brother you know, with lockdown. We're on week seven of it. I'm fine. Yes, I believe in it. lockdown. <laughs> lockdown is good. Lockdown is great. We surrender our will as of this date. <laughs> Apart from that. Not for much longer because I'll be back to work soon. Well, yes, you're going to work. I will be going into That's work. not interesting. It's not a retorting, isn't it? But I get out of the house. You get to leave I the get house. Out of the house. Get to go and frolic. Skip down the street with your, with your shiny satchel and your apple. I shall. It'll be very exciting. It'll be very nice. I am now uh, not working. No, it's quite nice. I'm being peaceful and uh, slowly losing my mind, <laughs> not having yep. a schedule. So you have to give us a list of all the exciting things you're doing, all the many craft projects you've got going on, all the decorating and the gardening. And... I've moved a chair. Well, see. So now I've got a sitting chair, draped several different kinds. What was of... what was it before? It was a, a corner chair. Oh, well, I didn't really. So, but you can't sit in that. One. No, you can't sit in the corner chair. And my apologies. <laughs> That's for the ghost. <laughs> I made Guinness cookies last week. And he, you did, uh, and you brought some over to I me. Did. I delivered you Guinness cookies to your door. And they were very nice. They, they were all right, actually. Did it convert you to Guinness? No. No. It converted me to chocolate. Well, that's not much <laughs> conversion required there. So. <laughs> Have there been any poisonings this week? Um, no, no, again. Why did you laugh? Why did you laugh? <laughs> no poisoning. No poisoning. No poisoning. See, limited op- options, really. In terms of currently. poison and poisonese? Yeah, exactly. Not enough people coming to the door. No, I can't get to other people. Other people can't get to me. So it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? So in conclusion, we're fine. Yes. Nick. Hello. Are you yes. ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Go on, man. Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Not. No. No, let's go. we're going to go for the cocktails. We're going to go for the cocktails. <laughs> Nick, it's your story this week. Yes. I'm on tenterhooks to know what we're going to be talking about. But as ever, we have to start our little episode with a cocktail. Our cocktails that we create each week are always inspired by the tale that we tell and always feature a secret ingredient. And this week, Nick, the secret ingredient is... Water. 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 It doesn't scream secret ingredient to me. I'm not saying it's wrong for the purposes of this <laughs> podcast, but it's just... Can you imagine someone going, the secret ingredient is water. You use it to make everything. Well, pretty much. This is not filling me with hope of a, of a spectacularly lovely cocktail. Well, you may well be right. <laughs> <laughs> or you may be proven incredibly wrong. I hope I'll be proven wrong. It's not just going to be just tap water. It is and... just a pint of water. I've had, I've drunk so much recently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it is water. It is water. That's it. That's all we're having. A nice, refreshing glass of water with... Kahlua. No, I wouldn't do that to you, Sinead. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. So with water as our uh, spectacular secret ingredient, mm, yes. what have you made? Please make it nice. It is lovely. <laughs> I was really looking forward to a cocktail. And now you've said water, I'm going to go, oh, for God's sake. But it's water with a twist. Gonna, <laughs> we're we're going to use okay. sparkly water. Sparkling water. Sparkling water. We are going to go with a Southside Ricky. Ooh. Southside yes. Ricky. Oh, I love the name. Okay, I'm I'm fully converted. So it's a combination of a Southside, which I love, which we like, mm. and a gin Ricky. So explain the two. So Southside is traditionally gin, lime, mint, mm. and a bit of sugar. Shaky, shaky, shaky. Quite a short, sharp, lovely drink. Delicious. Gin Ricky 
is gin, lime, sugar with sparkly water to make it a long drink. Ah. But no mint. But no mint. In that one. This smashes the two together. <laughs> As you would smash the mint. As you would smash the mint. So I thought a lot of the drinks we've done recently have been quite short, quite potent. Yes. Quite sharp. But this is this is a nice long drink for a spring evening. It's going to say perfect spring cocktail. Something a bit lighter. I'm looking forward to this. Mint, gin, lime, water. Are you a still or sparkling water person in a restaurant? I'm generally not a fan of the sparkling water. See, I like sparkling water. But um, for the cocktail... I can go with it. Also, Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories can get on board with this because she's just ordered a soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she announced it to us on a message going, I bought a soda stream. We're like, okay, here's the crime. See, now I really want one though. So. Just, uh, you, you had the genius idea of just saying, go and get a bottle of wine from the corner shop, put it in the soda stream. Champagne! Champagne, instant champagne. You don't like sparkling water, but you want a soda stream. But I like, I like, I do like other fizzy drinks. I like fizzy orange and I like Coca-Cola. <laughs> You're just what? painting this famous five sort of impression. I like a fizzy orange. I like fizzy pop. I like... <laughs> and ginger beer. Lashings of ginger Lashings beer. Lashings of ginger beer. <laughs> so we have the Southside Ricky. Southside Ricky. I love this name. I love this name. And I'm excited for the drink. So we're going to go into our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. See you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, we have our... Southside Ricky. Southside Ricky. There you go. Oh, this got ice Sounds in it. Sounds icy. So, talk us through the uh, concoction. So, we have two parts gin. Mm-hmm. One part lime juice. Mm-hmm. So, I had to cheat because I only have pretend lime juice. No, no, that's perfectly all right. I mean, fresh lime is, is better. But if you've yeah. got the bottled lime juice or the bottled lemon juice, if you can't get fresh limes, get that stuff in because then you should nothing should stand in the way of you making well, cocktails. Exactly. Uh, sugar syrup. Mm. Now, the recipe calls for three quarters of sugar syrup, depending on how sweet you like your drinks, really. Lots of mint leaves, five or six, into the bottom of your mixer. Give them a good old squish, a muddle. Then give it a good old shake, miss some ice, and that really breaks down the mint leaves a lot more as well. Strain that into a nice highball long glass, already filled with ice. Top it up with sparkly water. Chuck a bit of more mint in there because it looks nice. It's a garnish of fresh mint, a sprig, if you will. Um, and enjoy on a on a swingy seat on a porch somewhere <laughs> where you've got land. I've got land. It's good to have land. Great. I am excited for yeah. this. So yes, cheers, I'm Nick. Try. Let's cheers. try the Southside Ricky. Mm. I quite mm. like that. That is nice. That is a grown-up lemonade. Limonade. Mm, tasty, tasty. Very tasty. Yeah. I see that's good. Because the past few I've done have been questionable. <laughs> you have not liked them one bit. I have not enjoyed <laughs> them some of the recent ones. This that's is a good one. simple, lovely, refreshing drink. And so easy to make. I mean, most people will have all these ingredients in well, their house. Uh, that was one of the considerations. So a lot of the ones I've done recently have... You have to be into your cocktails to have those ingredients in your house. Oh, I know. And so this one... Everyone has a bottle of gin. Some limes are easy to find in the supermarket. A bit of sugar, sparkly water. Um, and it's a damn tasty beverage. Yeah, so Southside Ricky. Like it. Like a minty drink. Uh, just a note, I've had to change rooms during this recording for uh, reasons I won't go into. Um, but I'm now in my living room, which is much more cavernous. And there are cats prowling around um, looking for food. So that if sounds they... quite mysterious. Well, they're always looking for food. You know. <laughs> no, the, 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 you've had to change room for unknown reasons. Well, I the cats came in. Well, the cats came in there, just just tearing the place apart, looking for crumpets. But fair enough. That's fair enough. I can't resist a crumpet. Yeah, who can? So Nick, got our uh, our lovely, delicious cocktails firmly in hand. Tasty, tasty Southside Rickies. You're going to take us on a journey. That's the plan. 
Where that are we is to? indeed the plan. So you may recall back way, way, way back when, so many years ago, at the beginning of the podcast, well, March. <laughs> it was a simpler time. <laughs> it was a, such a it was such a simpler time back then. <laughs> so back in episode four, um, I did an episode on Julia Tofana, who was one of the most prolific um, providers of poisons um, in Italy in the 17th century. I'm not going to say poisoner, because she didn't poison many people. But she, she, she handed them out quite a lot. Um, anyway, <laughs> at, the, at the end of that episode, we f- heard a little bit about how her tale grew and expanded and covered much of Europe um, after Ooh. her death. So now we are going to delve a bit more into this tale and see where it takes us. We're continuing the story from we episode are. four here, episode 12. It's a multiple of four. See, it was all planned like this. All it planned. was all planned. Absolutely. We missed out eight. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Excellent. I loved the story of uh, of Julia Tufana. So we've been in Italy. Where are we off to now? Well, I said at the end of that episode, if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to it. Yeah, go back and listen to the episode. What are you even doing (laughs) here? We found that poison had made its way across into France and into the hands of some rather interesting people. Um, And it's their tale that we are going to tell on this lovely day. A lovely day for a poisoning story. We are starting the second part of this tale with Marie Madeleine Marguerite d'Aubray. Awesome name. The Marquesa de Brinvilliers. Marquesa de Brinvilliers. I'm going to put a caveat out now. I'm going to apologise for my pronunciation of French <laughs> names. Um, it's, they're going to be dreadful. Um, just do it with a plum. My version of speaking French is just generally speaking English but louder. Um, <laughs> taught by my father. Now that's how you speak French. As long as you do it with flair and panache and your kind of put a sexy voice on, then no one will question you. Sexy French voice. I speak a bit of French, so I'll help. I won't help. Any French people, it's, it's <laughs> going to be bad. Anyway. If there are French people listening, tell us. We'd love to reach out to you in France and come and see you. <laughs> the Marquesa was born in Paris in 1630 into a fairly wealthy and noble family. She grew up on her father's estates, which were, she had. they had estates just outside Paris with her siblings, two brothers and one sister, and had, by all accounts, quite an idyllic childhood. When she was 21, uh, she married Anton Gobelin. Uh, Gobelin. Go- Mar- Go- Goblin? Yes, Anton the Goblin. Anton the Goblin. <laughs> I don't think that was okay. his name. The story is developing already. <laughs> she married a goblin. He was cursed forever to live as a goblin until he found true love. So she married Anton Goblin. G-O-B-E-L-I-N. Stop trying to do the accent. Goblin. Who was the Marquis de Brinvilliers? So no, no, no laughing at my accents. I'm not laughing at the accents, I'm laughing with you. I'm laughing with your sheer enthusiasm. You shall go to the French ball. <laughs> I want to go to a big Frenchy fans party. Don't we all? With a big wig. On a big wig with like guns and ships and things. Like There's guns in your wig? Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Have you not heard that? When this is probably slightly later than what we talk about now, I'm going completely off tangent. Is it also made up? No, no, no. It's, 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 this is true. Because of the fashion for massive wigs <laughs> okay. at the time. Right. And people used to decorate their wigs yes. and things with, um, with sort of topical things of the day. And exactly. And so there are accounts of after some great French naval victory in the in the court, the ladies put boats, like warships, uh, in their wigs. Um, and they did actually 
fire. They had like smoke coming out of the cannons and stuff like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, sort of chasing the English ships, which are all knackered and wrecked and things, in their wigs. So these whole naval scenes. Whole diorama going fantastic. on in their hair. Yeah, absolutely. And they were just shooting people willy-nilly. That's, that's a wonderful way to commit a murder, actually, at a ball. Yeah. <laughs> just surreptitiously uh, firing a tiny, tiny cannon. <laughs> so it's a complete tangent of randomness. But it's painting a picture of the world that they lived in. The Marquis himself was also a wealthy man. A man to be reckoned with. He was a military man. Um, he was a commanding officer in the army. With a with a lot of power and influence behind him, uh, now so both of them enjoyed the extravagant lifestyle Why that came you? along with their positions and their money. But they seemed to enjoy it quite separately. Oh. Marie was a regular attender, say at the fanciest of parties, with the biggest of wigs, with the biggest of wigs. <laughs> that money's got to go somewhere. <laughs> but her husband was a regular attender of the gambling house. And did he have a wig that had a roulette table in it? <laughs> If only he did. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I like that idea. Wait, so he's in the gambling house. He en- he enjoys a flutter, playing cards. That is his vice. Now, so as was relatively common at the time, they had a perhaps not an open marriage is the wrong way of putting it, but mm. they both of them had affairs. Um, lovers. Lovers, exactly. He had a mistress. She had lovers. It was quite common. But she kept it a bit discreet. An open secret. didn't flaunt it amongst the nobility and the the higher classes. It's what you did, but you didn't talk about it. But this is where we start getting into problems. Marie was introduced at one of these fancy parties to Jean-Baptiste Godin de Saint-Croix. Everyone in this story has an amazing name. Has an amazing name. And a very long name as well. Yes, absolutely. Many, many hyphens in these names. He is the Chevalier de Saint-Croix. Ooh, chevalier, so that's a, a like a horse lord or a, a cavalry. He's a, yeah, he's a knight, oh. pretty much. <laughs> he also is in the army, as majority of sort of noble men were. He's a military man. He's a knight. Dashing. Well, quite. Very dashing. Very exciting. He owns a horse. He owns a horse, possibly two. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> One for weekends. <laughs> well, yes. A weekend horse is fancier. You've probably got a horse for battle. That wouldn't be the same horse you just like trotted around on town and stuff like that. Not really. I think that horse is fucking terrifying. Exactly. <laughs> that horse is in therapy. <laughs> I think that horse is fucking terrifying, probably. It'd be a massive great <laughs> war horse if you don't want that trotting down the streets at you. At you? Where is he going? <laughs> well, if he's just going down the street and or something like that. He's just an armoured horse that's seen terrible things. <laughs> the slight twitch or something it's gonna be a... <laughs> just turns to look at you with just a dead eye <laughs> it's, it's gonna be an unsettling experience well he and his many scary horses he and his many scary but marie loves him and his many scary horses um and being independently wealthy as well um her father Ooh. very very wealthy man so she's got a bit of her own money she's not entirely reliant on her husband so she takes this as the opportunity to to pretty much do what she wants. And her and Jean-Baptiste's cause scandal throughout Paris with their lavish carryings on. So she's going out with him and she's not making any attempt to be subtle. There is no subtlety here whatsoever. Husband is in the casino gambling away them his money. Yes. Obviously doesn't care, I take it. Twice he's got bigger problems. It doesn't take too long before he actually flees the country. Mm. Uh, the the Marquis flees France because of his gambling debts. He has got creditors hammering down his door, and he make he does a runner. 
Whoa. basically. And he's also heard about his wife's lover's scary horse, so he doesn't want to meet that on a darker night. <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. But he, he's, he's done a runner, which has left Marie now. Still married, hmm. but independently wealthy, not reliant on her husband's money, which is none left anymore. So she can continue the fanciness around town. And her and the Chevalier Jean-Baptiste are, as they say, seen at all the, the fancies of parties, all the social occasions that a French fancy person would want to go to. But this came with a problem. They were being a bit too blasé about the whole situation. They weren't married. She's still married to the Marquis. God knows where he is, though. So this is perhaps not appropriate carryings on for a woman in her position. Because at that time in the French aristocracy, they love a scandal and they don't mind people having affairs and mistresses. However, there are no bonds of loyalty within the court, as it were. So if you overstep the mark and if you are being a little bit too cavalier, no one's going to leap to your defence. They are going to be whispering about you in a bad way as opposed to a good way. Exactly. And it's exactly these whispers that reach the ear of Marie's father. He is not happy. Uh, His daughter is dragging their name through the mud. So he's got a position to to uphold. Absolutely. Um, he's He's got a reputation at court that can't be sullied with his daughter's carryings on with a mere chevalier quite 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 unacceptable so he goes to the king (gasps) which shows how senior and how important he was that he could go to the king directly and say Mm. oi mr king i need your help with this as he would say as he would say oi mr king but obviously in french he would say i'm not going to attempt to say (laughs) (laughs) oi monsieur le roi oi monsieur king (laughs) like your style that's exactly how it sounded so he goes to the king and says mr king i'm not happy about my daughter's carrying on here she is bringing disgrace not only to myself but to the whole of the french nobility calm down daddy but the king listens and goes yes i think you're probably right this is not at all acceptable behavior he issues a warrant for the chevalier to be arrested and thrown into the bastille but the pop band (laughs) <laughs> I had to slip that in there. <laughs> they they were in the cell next door. <laughs> it's like, no, I can't listen to any more music. Please stop. <laughs> no more. This is torture. This is where the torture comes from. <laughs> but yes, the Bastille, a fortress in Paris. Indeed. The king issues a, a note, a warrant for him to be arrested um, and sent to the Bastille for a year. This is in the days before the French Revolution, where the Bastille would be stormed. And this is why we celebrate Bastille Day, if you're French. Most of us aren't, so carry on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a few weeks after this situation. Years. Several years. <laughs> Several years. <laughs> so the Chevalier ends up in the Bastille, which is not a nice place to be. But he has a very interesting cellmate. He shares a cell with. Is it that? Is it? Is it that creepy guy from Aladdin? <laughs> you know what? It might as well be actually. Um, sort of wizened, wizened man with long bony fingers. Okay, I can tell you things. Um, well, in the cell, top marks. If you remember this from episode four, he's in the cell with the Italian poisoner Elexili. <gasps> Elexili. Ooh, he's lived. He's in, oh, he's in jail. Yes, of course, because yes. he ended up in the Bastille. He ended, he up, ended in up in prison in Bastille. France. I'll go back slightly. He escapes Italy with the, the recipe for this poison. The legendary Aqua Tofana. He goes to France. He flees to France, but the French authorities catch wind of him being in France and go. <laughs> but they say it in French. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry to any French listeners. It's turning into an episode of Allo Allo, really, isn't it? Um, it's what the people want. So he is in France, but he is apprehended. His reputation as a poisoner has preceded him. Mm. Um, so he is thrown in the Bastille, but he shares a cell with the Chevalier. And while imprisoned, Elixili 
reveals the secrets um, of Aquatafana, of the poison, um, <gasps> to the Chevalier. And now Jean-Baptiste is in full possession of this vicious and legendary poison. Incredible knowledge as well there, because no one knows what's in Aquatafana, but if no. someone has passed it on, he, a mere Chevalier, uh, a mere knight. This has been a well-kept secret for tens and tens and tens of years, um, <laughs> and he now Decades. has this... That's that's the word. Yes, decades. Decades. <laughs> I just couldn't think. I thought okay, it's not hundreds of years. I can't say hundreds of years. But like tens of decades. That's that's the one. That's what I was looking for. Thanks for that. There See, no one would have got that if you hadn't busted in and made me sound like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I know, you do it so well. But he has the secret to Aquatafana. While he is being imprisoned in the Bastille, Marie um, moves back to her father's estate just outside Paris. Her husband, still still nowhere to be seen at this point. Back with her father. That can't be much fun. The Chevalier is released at long last after this year. But he is he's ruined. Ooh. His reputation is in tatters all his money has gone um probably paying for his incarceration in the bastille you wanted anything slightly above gruel you had to pay for it you wanted a blanket that's extra it's a bit like the early version of EasyJet or something like that um, <laughs> I, I believe that's what they based it on actually yeah absolutely yes they just crossed out the name bastille and- yeah you wanted any of those little things you had to pay for it that is a, a you know a much harsher punishment than possibly that we would have first thought of for the king just to say oh okay a year in the bastille you might think a year he could do that quite easily a year is enough to absolutely decimate your um reputation completely Oof. um yeah he is shunned from society entirely he's a complete pariah uh, he's not received into court he has lost his military position as well because um, to be a to be a knight in france you have to be noble and honorable hold yourself to a code of chivalry and you can't do that if you've been shagging someone's wife <laughs> he's not a chivalrous chevalier uh, indeed not he's screwed basically <laughs> and he's angry he is absolutely furious at Marie's father. He is the one who has caused all this. Well, it's ruined him, basically. Absolutely ruined. Yeah. But he finds out where Marie is and goes to see her. Probably not overly welcomed into the house, but in some secret corner of the estate, they rekindle their their romance. Oh. Oh, love has endured. Ah, uh, exactly. Lust has endured. Probably <laughs> hiding him in a shed somewhere. In a shed. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, because well, he can't come into the house. So it's like. So it's her father so... standing at the window of the chateau going, How long has that tool shed been there? <laughs> I don't recognise this shed. My daughter's running out of it naked. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so they begin to plot together. Say, Marie also furious and um, she's been mm. stuck away in her father's estate she can't go to the fancy lovely parties that she so very much enjoys her husband's done a runner she's in disgrace herself both of them really rather annoyed so they begin to hatch a plot a cunning and dastardly plot and just so happens the chevalier oh he's he's learned some new things um <laughs> but what happens in prison stays in prison <laughs> what happens in- oh no not that not that <laughs> so he regales marie with the the tale of, of aquatafana um and the, the recipe that he's been given by this crazy italian man <laughs> so all we know about aquatafana i mean no one knows what aquatafana actually contained aquatafana was famed because of the precision wasn't it in which you could time someone's Absolutely. death so whether it you wanted them to die in a week or a month or even years down the line you could administer this poison 
and it would work in that way. It was all down to how it was administered, in what doses and at what times you could completely control the effects. What was suspected to be in Aquatifano? It was everything from arsenic, belladonna... Arsenic, belladonna were the the two big ones. Um, Snapdragon comes up quite frequently in the recipes. I didn't think... I remember playing with snapdragons as a kid. Not like this. Not, not killing people with them, but no, the, the, the flower that you, you yes. can push together and they, rah, 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 they open and close. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I did. Well, if they were poison, my parents let me play with them all the time. So <laughs> it's like, mm. Well, it's a bit like foxglove as well. Foxgloves, they're bells and they're, but they contain digitalis. Mm. Um, and then cantharidin as well was another one we spoke about, another mm. um, nasty, nasty poison. So all manner of things and no two recipes will give you the same list of ingredients. But the Chevalier has this recipe. Um, supposedly the one that Julia herself developed. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. But Marie, she takes this recipe. She goes, oh, I probably can find some, a few of these bits and pieces in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's going to be arsenic lying around the place. There always oh, is. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> she keeps coming back. Like, I've made biscuits. So she sets up a little laboratory in probably the other corner of the, <laughs> the estate. Another corner. Another shed. Another shed. <laughs> there's sheds springing up all over the bloody place in this. So, <laughs> like, I can't see the grass for sheds. What's going on? And all of them contain a, a Johnny Ball chemistry. Yeah, cell, absolutely. Obviously. It's the start of all poisonings. So she has got her little laboratory and she starts experimenting um with the ingredients um for aquatrafana to make it herself but she feels she it needs to be tested first you can't go straight in you need to see the results make sure it's going to have the effect that she that she wants sure luckily there's a hospital just down the road oh god a hospital full of poor people no one cares about poor people Um, (laughs) and she obviously means she is the marquesa she is a generous and charming and lovely lady if she were to go and visit the poor people perhaps even donate some food to the poor people just just uh, leftover baguettes exactly Exactly, Chicken. I've got some. I've got some leftover snails and, <laughs> and all sorts of French things. And some lovely bichyssois <laughs> to hand out. Exactly, that she has carefully prepared herself with some extra special seasoning. So she is going into the hospital and doing this because as soon as you said hospital, my first thought was she was dragging patients out of there. <laughs> that to the would shed. have been less subtle, I feel. Yes, um, I, I, I see the error of my ways now. <laughs> probably required a third shed, which would be madness. Um, <laughs> the dad's just watching this from the windows of the chateau, like. Uh-huh. And probably also getting the bill through all these sheds. Having to sign off the accounts going, gardeners, do you need a third shed? <laughs> yes, my lord. Um, anyway, so she's experimenting in the hospital, mm. perfecting 
her recipe. Tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Poison, poison, poison. And she's there for about eight months. Bloody hell. And by that point, her poison works. We don't know how many of the victims who were in the hospital died from either her poisoning or natural causes exactly how many she did poison and it is the sad fact that unfortunately in these times no one cared much they were there because they were ill if a few more than average died this year or is about something nasty going about but it's quite a chillingly calculated way of doing it i mean on one hand a very scientific mind of spending eight months perfecting it patient thinking about the timing of it Mm. but literally using all these dying people the patients the elderly and the infirmed and the poor in the hospital just as her cannon fodder as it were poison fodder poison fodder that's exactly what it was (laughs) but she starts the poisoning of her father. In September 1666, Drew de Aubre dies. (gasps) But his death was put down as natural causes because it has been been done over quite a protracted length of time. It wasn't just, oh, I'm fine, next day, oh, I'm dead. No one suspected it. No autopsy was performed. And the plan had succeeded. Marie had got rid of her father, who had caused both her and the Chevalier such angst and anger and also she got quite a nice bit of money out of it as revenge, well revenge 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 is best served with a big pile of cash <laughs> so she has got as we say she has got two brothers um and a younger sister the brother the or the eldest brother he is the one who's going to get the title and the estate and probably the majority of the money but she doesn't mm. do too badly out of it but then she moves across into the paris And because she's got a little bit of money behind her, those doors start opening up again. Mm, The fickle, fickle world. Yeah, absolutely. Those invitations start coming, coming back through the door. But she realises that, well, living this lifestyle, I mean, I've got a nice fancy house in Paris. I need new wigs all the time. I need not so fancy dresses. (laughs) I need a team of of set designers to build the wigs and to construct them. (laughs) I need scaffolding for the wigs and all sorts. This does not Nick's great, 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 great grandfather (laughs) was there making her wigs and her sets for her as she cavorted around the dance floors. I wish that were true. But, I mean, all this doesn't come cheap at all. No. And And money will run out. Money runs out. She soon realises that, oh, actually, my brother's... They got a fair bit more than I did. Why, yeah, that's not on. So, phase B of the operation. <laughs> it's an operation. She hires a young man known as La Chose. La Chose. Don't know if that was his name or a nickname, but that's the only reference to him in the records. It translates as causeway, I think, technically, or pathway or road, but it's a, it's a route. Maybe it's a means to an end. Maybe he's the yeah, means but, oh, to an end. He's the means to her uh, end. Yeah, uh, he's got to. Uh, yeah. French A-level was he, not wasted. Uh, so it would seem. And, <laughs> I can't speak French. But Le Chose is, hi- is hired by Marie. And she places him in her brother's household as a, as a servant, basically. Oh. Um, as a gift to her brother's. Here, have this young man. He's very, very good. He knows what he's doing. The next look, cook. Um, <laughs> he's wearing a top hat and twiddling a moustache. <laughs> he's wearing a top I've hat. Have you seen a top hat before? Yes, they'll be all the rage. <laughs> yes, he'll be with you shortly on a penny farthing. Um, 
So she hires, let's just say, who goes into the household. Initially, her younger brother. Her two brothers seem to spend an awful lot of time together. So... As you would, in the families would dine together constantly. So it's a bit like killing two birds with one stone, really. But she took her time, as we can see with Marie. She plots things out carefully. She doesn't do things rashly or in the spur of the moment. She plans. And four years later, on the July 17th, 1670, the first brother dies. Four years later? Four years later. Now, that is an awful long time. Yes. Everyone assumes it's the it's the poison. Luscious A has been administering this poison slowly, 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 slowly. Perhaps he fell down the stairs or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it definitely was poison. But why over such a long period of time? Well, I can only assume that is it, is it that the father died, she left a break for a bit, and then obviously didn't want to kill the brothers straight after the father's death. Yes. Because that would arouse suspicion. So she has she's, to... she's got a bit of money, so she, it's not as if she needs the cash now. Oh, yeah. Um, so probably when that's kicking in is when she starts her dastardly schemes. Well, per- perhaps so, actually. I mean, it, it could well be like, okay, it's, it's three years later, then she starts the poisoning. I don't know when Le Chose goes into the household, only that she does. Because four years would be stupid, to be yes. honestly, to poison someone over four years. Just hit them on the head. <laughs> just, this is silly. He's coughing just slightly more each day. It could well be that first three years, she's living the high life in Paris, not a care in the world. Then she gets a letter from the bank going... You have no money. <laughs> you cannot afford that fancy dress. I mean, you can't afford a fancy dress. Next logical step, kill your brothers. Of course. I mean, I find that every single time I can't <laughs> afford a fancy dress. I'm like, I will kill my whole family. Then, and she does. <laughs> um, so as I say, the, the first brother dies July 17th, 1670. The second brother, only three weeks later. Clever girl, though, to have this, this, this what would we call him? man accomplice. <laughs> what to say an envoy or kind of a, yes. yeah an accomplice or something accomplice. but yeah in the house station to to be administering it well she's safely in paris so no no suspicion perfect will fall alibi on she has done for the past four years she's been in paris um i've no doubt she probably came to visit every now and again um but she, she's she's bringing been... bags of poison <laughs> <laughs> so they did in fact perform an autopsy um on the brothers and they discovered they did discover traces of arsenic always um, with the arsenic always with the arsenic when will people learn (laughs) but marie paris perfect alibi no one suspects anything and from what i can tell it wasn't investigated so no one in the household was suspected arsenic was not an uncommon substance it's been used for hundreds and thousands of years but the end result being that money goes now to marie and her sister because uh... we still have the younger sister who's probably looking on going ah fuck um <laughs> <laughs> getting slightly ner- she was actually getting slightly ner- so nervous that she's actually hired food tasters by this right, point okay. um, girl. <laughs> her father's died her two brothers have died there's a theme here. Um, oh, clever girl. Well, so she survives. How many of her food tasters died? There's <laughs> a pile of bodies. They were the poor people. Oh, yeah. No Who cares one cares about, about, them? about them. They served their mistress well. But now I mean, we also, we can't forget the Chevalier. <gasps> the horse lord. The horse lord. Well, not the horse lord anymore. Well, he's the no horse. Of, there's no horse. There's no horse. <laughs> he's going around riding a small dog. 
it's it's not going well for him. As we said, I mean, he's an outcast. He doesn't get invited to these fancy parties and oh, things anymore. no longer sexy in Marie's eyes. No, exactly. Mm. He's no longer the fancy, dashing, young, military man he once was. He's now a dishevelled has been oh, um betrayal betrayal he does hold a grudge um does the old chevalier mm. not entirely surprising he's thinking i know a lot about what's going on here plans have been discussed between them especially the plans to kill her father he's got to get, be getting a bit concerned himself so he in a fit of genius that has been emulated by every cop series and spy <laughs> program ever since takes all these incriminating documents he's kept a diary over the years as one does detailing all of the correspondence that he's had with marie where she has detailed i'm going to kill all these people <laughs> and she's written a list of... here's my list of murderers for monday it's tuesday yeah. <laughs> wednesday is free time that he's got promissory notes from her where she has said once my brothers are out of the way you and i can be together and i'll give you lots of money um, which has never come true, but he's got these notes from her. So he takes all this evidence, all these documents, and puts them in a box, in a big fancy box, um, and seals it, and puts a note on top that says, to be opened in the event of death prior <laughs> to that of Madame de Brinvilliers. <laughs> so spelling it, so it out that, fairly like, clearly, isn't it? <laughs> abs- yeah, I mean, it's, it's possibly a bit on the nose, really. It's very dangerous liaison, though, at the end of this. Oh, yes, the letters, mm. hand over the letters. Just a note, listeners, this is the point where Nick's audio unfortunately decided to mess up. So sorry about the change in sound quality. So the Chevalier is quite convinced that he's got a foolproof plan to keep him out of, out of danger and out of, out of trouble. And it was an excellent plan. It was a fantastic plan. If he wasn't such an idiot. <laughs> it's always the problem, isn't it? It was an excellent plan if you weren't stupid. Okay, okay. idiot may be a bit harsh. Careless. I'm going to say we go with careless. He had been continuing his experiments with poisons and he had moved on to noxious gases. Why he had taken this path, we don't know. Or it could have been an entirely unintended side effect of some other experimentation <laughs> that he was doing. With horses. But in 1672, uh, Senqua dies suddenly. Oh. One of his experiments has gone horribly wrong it has released a cloud of poisonous vapors um, into his face <laughs> he drops down dead. into his face that's the last place he's... that you want to release poisonous vapors hey, well exactly i mean i can imagine he's there over a bubbling something i'm just imagining him at his chalkboard going and i release the noxious gases into the streets no i didn't carry the one it's into my face <laughs> so he He's dead. I like the idea that he is an idiot, that he, he had the secret, he passed <laughs> it on to Marie, who was smart and educated, probably, and a scheming, scheming woman, was able to create it, obviously, with success. And he's just a fool. And he has just been making terrible poisons and has now created a gas that will kill us all. <laughs> well, it certainly killed him. He has no heirs. He has no will. The authorities not break into his room, but go through all his possessions and they come across the sealed box. The box. With his, with his note. The box in a box in another box. Um, and they open the boxes and start to read through all the documents that he has sealed away. Um, and he hasn't everything. sealed the box with gas. They don't open the I box and it's so. not like the Ark of the Covenant no, or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, everyone is safe. No melting faces or anything like that going on. <laughs> but they but find this... the box and all of his journals and correspondence. All the secrets um, of his and Marie's Plotting and scheming are all there in black and white. Le Chaussée is 
instantly arrested mm. um, as soon as they read about um, Marie's plans in her own hand for Le Jose and what he's done. Um, he is an arrest warrant is issued and he's taken into custody straight away and put under the most unpleasant, most horrible, horrible torturings to um. get his story, his his tale, his confession. But I imagine he would have confessed to absolutely anything they put to him. So we're in an era of the rack and pulling your fingernails out and oh. all manner of desperately unpleasant spiky things inserted where you don't want spiky things inserted. Certainly not. He confesses. Um, to the entire scheme, to his employment by the Marquesa, um, to the poison he's been adding to the two brothers' dinners, lunches, whatever it is, and he is sentenced to death in a most vicious and violent, violent way possible. He is sentenced to be um, broken alive on the wheel, one of the harshest punishments available. Broken alive on the wheel. Okay, well, first of all, I'm glad you didn't mention a giraffe. Thank the good Lord. But second, okay, so broken on the wheel, I shudder, I will regret asking this. All I know about the the wheel, it's like a variation of the rack and that people were strapped to it and things were broken. I, 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 we must ask. <laughs> if you really want to know. It strays nasty. from poisoning, but you know. <laughs> Turns out there's quite a few variations on a theme, depending on what country you're on. Um, so the German is quite different to the French, it's quite different to... It happened in England, not quite as much. They did prefer a bit of beheading and hanging and drawing over here. <laughs> but in France, what it would involve is getting a great big cartwheel. The body of your victim was then your angles and your wrists strapped to the rim of the cartwheel, but not above mm. the, not along the spokes. Nothing. Oh, so there's you. no brace. There's exactly there's, Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. There's, okay. there's, no, there's no support behind you. Then the executioner comes along with a big old stick. Um, and starts breaking every bone you've got. Oh, God. You get, you get a break between your wrist and your elbow, and then your elbow to your shoulder, um, from your ankle to your knee, and then your <laughs> knee to your... Oh, oh, oh. All those, oh. all your your limbs are broken. Oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then once, that is, once that's done, um, and you've enjoyed that part of the <laughs> proceedings, uh, you're then un, untied from the wheel, and your limbs are woven throughout the spokes because they're fairly they're fairly flexible now your limbs are now woven throughout the spokes of the wheel and the wheel is hoisted aloft and you are left there for crows and other carrion birds to come and peck away and you to die of blood loss exposure shock things eating your eyes Good um, God! A vicious, vicious, vicious way to go. If you were lucky, and probably if you were slightly richer and of a more and a slightly higher status, they decide they would they would kill you before they did this. Oh, you would just be an adornment. Yeah, you, they would tie you to the rack, and before they started on your arms, and your legs, and things, it would be one massive great blow to your chest, which would kill you. But that that, that didn't happen to Lachose. He endures the Poor whole Lachose. thing. He's out of the picture, and attention soon turns to the Marquesa. Um, obviously, Joshua has completely implicated her in absolutely everything. Um, and they've got all the documents that the Chevalier has, has hidden away, um, in, some in her own hand. Mm-hmm. So they are gunning for her next. And unsurprisingly, a warrant is issued for her arrest. And she has fled by this <laughs> point. She has got wind of what's going on. She's heard of what's happened to her man, Joshua. She yeah. legs it. The last place we find her is a 
is a monastery in the city of Liege, uh, which is in modern-day Belgium, which is in the monastery. You can't really go in and drag her out of a monastery. And Julia went and claimed sanctuary, didn't she? They did. She did indeed. Um, and yeah, and exactly in the same situation there. The authorities, you can't go and break down the church door to get this get this place out. So they hatched a cunning plan in that they got a policeman and they dressed him as a priest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he goes into the monastery and he sits there and he talks to the Marchesa and convinces her to come out of the monastery to accompany him out of the monastery. What? Possibly to see some lovely some lovely furry animals in the <laughs> courtyard or something. Or I've seen a deer frolicking in a glade. Exactly. There was a draft that went by. <laughs> Don't go near um, it. It's come from Rome. <laughs> so she just goes out and he goes, lovely apples <laughs> this way, my dear. Yeah, well, apples? Absolutely, yes. apples? Come and see there's yeah, some lovely apples on the tree this time of year. And she goes, oh yes, I quite fancy an apple. So off she, she leaves the monastery and once she's out, once she's out they pounce. They, they all pile on it. <laughs> they all pile on it. They've all been standing outside the door like hiding behind statues and then eventually they get her and she is whisked back to Paris to stand trial you would think at this point they've got a fair amount of evidence no matter how dodgy its uh, provenance might seem now they've got the confession from Le Chausse um, he's spilled the beans entirely they've got all the documents from the Chevalier many mm. in her own hand but still it's not quite enough they need a bit more gentle persuasion of the Marquesa to get her to tell things in her own words and she is put to the question it's a specific method of torture that was used in, in the courts in France. You have the ordinary question and the extraordinary question. Okay. Did you do it? Being put to the ordinary question, which was a specific legal term, where it involves forcing eight pints of water down someone's throat. It's not a question. So they would actually... Not a question, but it made you answer the question. <laughs> it made you answer any question. Um, it's it's going to encourage you to answer the question. Thirsty. So they would clamp your, clamp your nose shut um, so you couldn't breathe through your nose. And then a, fu- a tube and a funnel into your, down your, in your mouth, down your throat, and eight pints of water gets pushed through. You're choking, you can't breathe. It's very, very unpleasant. And obviously, all, it's all at once, for anyone who's listening going, I can manage eight pints, yeah. I can manage eight pints, yeah. easy. Um, no, this is all at once into the stomach and the stomach swells and the pain and the exploding, possibly. Well, yeah, but this is the ordinary question. Oh, Jesus. The Marquesa has to answer the extraordinary question. 16 pints. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that ex- the extraordinary question was a specific term and it was it's not a question not a question again it's gonna look at you it's gonna make you answer she's just gonna be saying, like, i don't know what you want honestly please i would love to give you the answer to the question i don't know what it is i was thinking extraordinary question um sparkling water uh, oh water this is it water the link the link i've only just realized <laughs> oh, we have got there eventually. Absolutely. oh the most mundane seeming of, of secret ingredients has been reached by the most horrible <laughs> way absolutely so yes for next episode i am going to drink 16 pints <laughs> i think you can do it nick I it's going to be that scene from The Simpsons again where Homer is in hell being force-fed donuts. Well, have all the donuts in the world! And he's still eating more and more. Oh pretty my much God. How it's, pretty much how it's going to be. But I think it was less fun for the I, I, I'm imagining so, yes. I think I've seen a painting 
an old one of a woman naked, literally stretched out, bent backwards, her mouth, her nose being held and water being forced down her throat. It's quite horrific. There is exactly that. And it is um, it is a picture of her. It's it's a disturbing picture to share. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to share it. It is. It's not a place. It's not graphic. It's not graphic, but it's unsettling. She is being subjected to, to torture. It's almost it's yeah, it, it's it feels unseemly. Oh, nice image. So she's been force fed 16 pints of, of regular water. Yeah, she confesses to to the lot uns, entirely unsurprisingly. The plot against her her father where she learned of the the aquatifana um, from the chevalier who is now dead anyway and then to the plot against her brothers what doesn't come out interestingly is her time experimenting at the hospital oh oh they don't care about that oh well, well exactly so those are not important people yeah so um, the marquesa is obviously found guilty and sentenced to death. Fortunately for her, um, she was of more noble birth, which did get her a somewhat kinder death. Uh, she was beheaded, um, and then her body burnt. Okay, fairly swift. Quick quick and easy. Yeah, you would hope. Quick and done. Body on the pyre, but you're not going to feel that because you're dead. Um, <laughs> it's going to, compa- compared to Le Chose, she's gone off pretty pretty lightly. So this is, so she would have been beheaded, but these are the days before the guillotine. So Indeed, you have yes. to trust... Uh, a competent axeman? You would hope someone who sharpens their axe semi-regularly. But the interesting thing is the the scandal this trial caused had ripples from years and years and years mm. to come. It completely permeated the entire of French society and French nobility all the way into the throne room <gasps> of the king. Ooh. But that is a story that we should tell another day. Another day? You say, you mean it's, say, it's not it's not two, but three parts. It's a trilogy. We've gone into a trilogy <laughs> on this one absolutely so yeah i mean so what what follows i'm not going to go too much detail but what follows is a fantastic period in french history called the affair of the poisoners the affair of the poisoners um, famous period of history mm. paranoia of revenge and getting people out of the way and goes absolutely crazy um, and rumor and paranoia spread like wildfire um and it is a fascinating fascinating area that we will definitely be coming back to the third part of the trilogy. Oh, every story is everything. Good things come in threes. <laughs> but what a story there it is. The the story of the was oh, how do you pronounce it again? Marquesa. The Marquesa. Brinvilliers. Now I've heard versions of that story before, and some there are a lot of versions of that story. There are it, it, at the time it was hugely, hugely well known. There's a version that um, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote. Mm. Alexandra Dumas, um, Dumas wrote a story about it. Uh, Dumas. Dumas. See, my friends, <laughs> operas have been written about her. Mm. So, yeah, incredibly famous time. On one hand, we've got the early stages of a poison panic, which will turn mm. into the affair of the poisoners. Um, we think about the Victorian era, and this is the, the main era that we focus on for poisoners because it's a little close to home, the records are a little bit better, but everyone's suddenly becoming terrified about the ideas of poisonings being prevalent and poison being prevalent in society. But you've had all of this before and you've had all of this in uh, Renaissance France and Renaissance Europe where people are perfecting the art of poisoning. There are accounts I've read where she is being put forward by the people telling the story as more of a sympathetic character. I don't know how we feel about that. The idea, you know, if you flip it around, you could tell the story of she is a young woman just wanting to have a good time and to enjoy herself, forced into a marriage with a man who's a complete gambler, probably doesn't treat her very well. She's off living the high life, falls in love with a knight, could paint it as romantic. Yeah, I think you could. 
I think that's absolutely completely valid potential look at her until the point she starts to plan to kill her father. Mm. I think up to that point where you can see it as, yes, she's been forced to marry this man who's a gambler, obviously not paying much attention to her. She falls in love with this dashing, handsome uh, knight who's out and they, they fall in love and have this fantastic affair and then he's taken away from her because mm. of her father. Um, that's absolutely, it's, that's all very romantic. It would be romantic. so easy to turn it into a romantic Hollywood story. Absolutely. But then Period you, drama. you get to the point of now I'm going to kill my father and now I've run out of money, I'm going to kill my brother. Exactly. That's when I think the romance starts to lessen. People's opinions may differ on it. I think it's unfair to paint her as a feminist hero. I don't think people are necessarily saying yes, that she no, is. I don't think but, so. but, you know, it's easy to kind of go she's a woman who's just been subjected to male rule all her life and her brothers are taking the inheritance that are going to boss her around and she's having no more of it it's no excuse to murder someone <laughs> no and it's not as if she was completely cut off she had an inheritance yes she had a she had a good life she wanted a better one yeah um and the way she was going to do that was by killing people the fine art um, of poisoning yeah so i have well, no sympathy whatsoever, to be honest. I have no sympathy. I mean, there, there don't appear to be many records, certainly not, not any of the evidence you shared, that implies that she was having a worse time behind closed doors. Maybe she was. Maybe she was. Is there evidence of it that we found? No. I mean, the evidence that you find now is obviously very much focused on uh, the crimes and the cases. You don't know much about her day-to-day life, which is the, the case for yeah. all of the people that we research and things now. What everything mm. now focuses on is the things that they've done. Um, you don't know much of their day-to-day life. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it could have been that she was actually having an absolutely terrible mm. time behind the scenes of it. And she very much thought this was uh, the only possible way out. I struggle to yeah. believe it's not quite it's not the in case. the same realm of, as uh, Julia Tafana, where Julia is providing poisons to women who aren't having a very good time who aren't necessarily nobility but there's a lot of women out there who are having an awful time and she's able to supply them with the means of exiting marriages we've also got at the time i think it's pretty clear as as what happened to the servant anyone who was accused of a terrible sort of the, the crimes against nobility would be subjected to the most horrific torture and death oh, does sort of feel she was made quite an example well, of. potentially yes because of what she's done she's got really no one to stick up for her no there's no one speaking for her is there's there? no oh, there's no one speaking for her there's no father who's who's got a level of power in society she's done away with them and we've seen with the first part of the story with this part of the story and we will see in the third part just how terrifying the idea of a female poisoner of mm. a female killer can be to society what a kind of ferrari it sends people into yes there have been male killers for years but it's something again we've talked about it with marianne cotton we've talked about it about other women we've covered something about a woman committing these crimes and having the the intelligence the scheming nature and the ability to do away with people sends people into a frenzy absolutely so there we are there we are great story great period of history and one we shall revisit Mm. again nick we certainly shall be marvelous so um if you have thoughts about this story do share them with us come and have a chat on social media nice Nice thoughts thoughts. nice thoughts nice not nasty thoughts musings if you will (laughs) do have a chat with us on social media as ever come and have a talk and share your own ideas of stories that you'd like us to cover or poisons you'd like us to feature in the future and this evening we shall be having uh the recipe for the south side wiki will be out it's a nice simple one that anyone can make at home so do i thoroughly recommend just get that going on a Friday evening 
and enjoy a good cocktail and let us know what you're drinking this evening exactly when you are say what cocktails you're going for whenever you listen to our show whatever time of day it is whatever you know if it's five in the morning and you're drinking yay good for you make the days taste less bitter whenever you're enjoying a cocktail do share your pictures with us on uh, Instagram Facebook or Twitter tweet us what you're drinking and how you like it (laughs) I don't know where that was going (laughs) don't know how to finish this sentence so as ever we have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet thank you so much for joining us we will see you again next week and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you bye